you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, October 15th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, it's Hardware Review Thursday. Reviews of the Xbox Series X. Google Pixel 5 and 4A 5G. Some of the new iPhones are getting extra RAM. Room temperature superconductivity has been achieved for the first time and what that could mean. Landscape is an interesting raise and Adam Newman is back, baby. And so is WeWork. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. It's a weird sort of day today. A whole bunch of hardware devices were unveiled roughly a month ago now all around the same time, and now, all around the same time, the reviews are dropping. So it's Hardware Review Thursday, I guess. Let's run through these. Tom Warren at The Verge has had three weeks with the new Xbox Series X and says that the next-gen gaming console has a focus on things that really matter to gamers, like being quiet and cool, boasting high frame rates, faster load times, accessory support, and backward compatibility. His conclusion, quote... Not only does it feel like you're upgrading your PC if you move from an Xbox One to an Xbox Series X, but it feels and looks like it. Hello, PC tower design. You take everything you already own and even existing hardware accessories, and you bring them along with you just like you do on a PC. It's a different approach to Sony with the PS5 and its dedicated exclusive next-gen games, new dashboard UI, and new controller. Microsoft has focused on the basics that really matter. In my three weeks of using an Xbox Series X, it's fair to say that it has delivered on those basics. But the best part about the Xbox Series X is that it's not actually a PC. I don't have to worry about drivers, copious game launchers, or Windows updates ruining how my PC works. You turn the Xbox on, and you play games. If developers embrace the choice and performance options I've experienced on the Series X, I'd certainly be tempted to play far more on an Xbox with cross-play, cross-save, and keyboard and mouse support all becoming more prominent on the Xbox. There's one big question that remains for me with the Xbox Series X— When will Microsoft's 23 first-party studios deliver the next-gen games to truly show off what this console is capable of? Powerful hardware and a sleek user experience are only part of the mix. Microsoft will need the games to really make the Series X feel like something brand new, end quote. Also over at The Verge, Dieter's review of the Pixel 4a 5G says it's a strong mid-range handset with great battery, screen, and camera, but the lack of wireless charging and MMWave 5G in the end makes it probably too expensive for what you get. Quote, The Pixel 4a 5G is not an exciting phone. It doesn't have the eye-poppingly low price of the standard Pixel 4a, and it also lacks many of the features on more expensive phones. The list of things it lacks includes water resistance, wireless charging, a high refresh rate screen, and a top-tier processor. Many will look at that list and think none of those things are important, but all of them are nice, and it may be that at least one thing will be a deal-breaker. 
If so, Google has the Pixel 5 for $699 with nearly all those features, and the Verizon version doesn't cost more. If the processor gives you pause, I don't think it should, there are plenty of Android phones, and of course the iPhone, to consider. At $349, the regular Pixel 4a is easy to recommend. At $499, the Pixel 4a 5G requires a bit more comparison shopping. As with all Pixels, the 4a 5G's strengths are hard to put on a spec sheet. It's more unassuming than other Android phones, but its software is also more elegant and easier to use. And of course, the camera is almost surely better than the direct competition. It won't turn heads, but the Pixel 4a 5G won't let you down either, end quote. But what about that Pixel 5? Over at Engadget, Chris Velasco says Android 11 is clean and clever on the Pixel 5. The 5 has a long battery life, but the Pixel lineup's cameras overall have stagnated. So lacking that key leadership differentiator, rival phones can now offer better value. Quote, It's the best smallish Android phone I've used in a long time with plenty of charming software features and a smattering of high-end niceties. If this were any other year, I'd probably be recommending it more strongly. But it's not, so I can't. To be clear, if clean, clever software with long-term support is the first thing you value most in a smartphone, the Pixel 5 is probably the best you can get. But consider this, you could get a Galaxy S20 FE 5G with a more flexible camera system, better performance, a bigger, more beautiful screen, and expandable storage for $700. $750 if you want one that plays nice with MMWave 5G networks. And while its software won't be for everyone, the $750 OnePlus 8 is another option in the same price range and packs a faster chipset, more RAM and storage, and super fast charging. And its camera, while slightly behind the Pixel 5 in image quality, is a lot closer than Google would probably care to admit. I know I'm sort of comparing apples to oranges here, so how about this? The Pixel 4a 5G! which uses the same chipset as the 5, packs the same cameras, and has a bigger screen that's still really easy to handle, all for between $500 and $600. If you can live without water or dust resistance, and you don't care about wireless charging, you're probably better off with one of these instead. None of this is to say I don't like the Pixel 5 or that it's a bad phone, I'm just not convinced it's the best deal right now." End quote. But of course, this was the iPhone's week, and more details about the iPhone 12 lineup continue to dribble out. Xcode 12.1 files have revealed that the iPhone 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max both have 6 gigabytes of RAM, while the iPhone 12 and 12 mini have 4 gigabytes of RAM, quoting MacRumors. These Plist files have accurately revealed the amount of RAM in several generations of iPhones, and for good measure, a seemingly legitimate Geekbench result for the iPhone 12 Pro also lists 6GB of RAM for that device. By comparison, the iPhone 11, iPhone 11 Pro, and iPhone 11 Pro Max are all equipped with 4GB of RAM. With the increased RAM and a faster A14 Bionic chip, iPhone 12 Pro models should have significant performance improvements. The benchmark result for the iPhone 12 Pro shows that the A14 chip has roughly the same single-core performance as the new iPad Air, although its multi-core score is significantly lower. This could be due to Geekbench being run on the iPhone shortly after it was set up, which can result in temporarily lower scores, but we'll have to wait for further benchmark results to know for certain." End quote. 
WeWork's Adam Newman is back, and apparently he just can't quit the real estate game because he's invested $30 million in Alfred Club, quoting Bloomberg, a startup that provides apartment buildings with services such as concierge-like staff and software to manage maintenance requests and other paperwork. The investment in residential apartments is a throwback to a Newman pet project at WeWork. He led an expansion beyond office rentals to community-minded residences called We Live. The venture never expanded beyond two buildings in New York City and near Washington, D.C., but it was touted as part of a grander vision for WeWork to expand beyond the office and into other parts of life, the same rationale for its now-shuttered private elementary school, We Grow, end quote. Never change, Adam. But we has actually changed. Remember how, as part of that whole We Lifestyle vision of Newman's, WeWork changed its name to the We Company? Well, just this week, news that, as The Verge put it, the company formerly known as WeWork will be known as WeWork again. They're officially changing the name back. Quote, We want to be strategic. We want to be innovative. We want to be impactful. We want to be WeWork, wrote the new CEO of the once and future WeWork, Sandeep Mathrani, in a memo obtained by Reuters. I'm going to a big AI startup demo day here in the city tomorrow, and I will 100% be decked out in Mack Weldon clothing. Why? Well, Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. That's their Airnet underwear. Crazy, comfortable, but elevated sweatpants, the Ace Collection. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads, the Silver Peak polo. That's my personal fave. And ultra-soft antimicrobial tees for when you need to stay fresh longer. Their Silver Crew Neck t-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code RIDE. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code RIDE. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Not exactly the revolution that would result if we achieved cold fusion, but it is notable that room temperature superconductivity has been achieved for the first time, quoting MIT Technology Review. 
Room temperature superconductors, materials that conduct electricity with zero resistance without needing special cooling, are the sort of technological miracle that could upend daily life. They could revolutionize the electric grid and enable levitating trains, among many other potential applications. But until now, superconductors have had to be cooled to extremely low temperatures, which has restricted them to use as a niche technology, albeit an important one. For decades, it seemed that room temperature superconductivity might be out of reach forever. But in the last five years, a few research groups around the world have been engaged in a race to attain it in the lab, and one of them just won. In a paper published today in Nature, researchers report achieving room temperature superconductivity in a compound containing hydrogen, sulfur, and carbon at temperatures as high as 58 degrees Fahrenheit, 13.3 Celsius, or 287.7 Kelvin. The previous highest temperature had been 260 Kelvin, or 8 degrees Fahrenheit, achieved by a rival group at George Washington University and the Carnegie Institution in Washington, D.C. in 2018. Another group at the Max Planck Institute for Chemistry in Germany achieved 250 degrees Kelvin or negative 9.7 degrees Fahrenheit at around the same time. Like the previous records, the new record was attained under extremely high pressures, roughly two and a half million times greater than that of the air we breathe. It's a landmark, says Jose Flores Livas, a computational physicist at the Sapienza University of Rome, who creates models that explain high-temperature superconductivity and was not directly involved in the work. The ways in which electricity is generated, transmitted, and distributed could be fundamentally transformed by cheap and effective room-temperature superconductors bigger than a few millionths of a meter. About 5% of the electricity generated in the United States is lost in transmission and distribution, according to the Energy Information Administration. Eliminating this loss would, for starters, save billions of dollars and have a significant climate impact. But room temperature superconductors wouldn't just change the system we have, they'd enable a whole new system. Transformers, which are crucial to the electric grid, could be made smaller, cheaper, and more efficient. So too could electric motors and generators. Superconducting energy storage is currently used to smooth out short-term fluctuations in the electric grid, but it still remains relatively niche because it takes a lot of energy to keep superconductors cold. Room temperature superconductors, especially if they could be engineered to withstand strong magnetic fields, might serve as very efficient ways to store larger amounts of energy for longer periods of time, making renewable but intermittent energy sources like wind turbines or solar cells more effective. And because flowing electricity creates magnetic fields, superconductors can also be used to create powerful magnets for applications as diverse as MRI machines and levitating trains. Superconductors are of great potential importance to the nascent field of quantum computing as well. Superconducting qubits are already the basis of some of the world's most powerful quantum computers. Being able to make such qubits without having to cool them down would not only make quantum computers simpler, smaller, and cheaper, but could lead to more rapid progress in creating systems of many qubits, depending on the exact properties of the superconductors that are created. It remains to be seen whether scientists can devise stable compounds that are superconducting, not only at ambient temperature, but also at ambient pressure. But the researchers are optimistic. They conclude their paper with this tantalizing claim, quote, A robust room temperature superconducting material that will transform the energy economy, quantum information processing, and sensing may be achievable, end quote. Let's end today with an interesting raise. 
Landscape is a site that wants to become the Glassdoor for venture capital. You know how Glassdoor allows employees to rate their companies anonymously, letting you know if a given employer and their culture and their whole, you know, vibe is someplace you want to plug into and work at or not. So I immediately thought when I saw the story, why is this something that hasn't happened before for VC? Like, Knowing if a VC is a good fit for your vision is basically an existential thing to consider for your young startup. History is riddled with founders who got into dysfunctional relationships with their VCs or, frankly, just were a poor match, quoting TechCrunch. Landscape, a new review platform for tech startup founders to discover and find investment opportunities, officially launches today. Started by CompSci graduate Joe Perkins, the site purports to provide transparent feedback from entrepreneurs on their experiences with European VCs and accelerators. During its recent beta phase, Landscape clocked up approximately 700 reviews and has garnered 83 verified partners on the platform. The intention is to start with the UK and Europe and later expand to the US market. Perkins came up with the idea this year during the last peak of COVID-19 in the UK after his own experiences raising capital for his educational technology company, CourseMatch, in 2019. We had been pitching a bunch of investors and I'd been really interested to see how the quality of interaction varied so greatly from each fund. We had one interaction in particular with a London-based fund that ended up being a real time waster, and I remember thinking, I wish I had a mechanism to warn future founders, he commented. CourseMatch ended up raising funds from the Ignite Accelerator and the Development Bank of Wales. Landscape's reviews are provided by anonymous founders who score VCs and accelerators they have interacted with on 12 different factors such as approachability, diversity, and response time. Founders have to provide more information about themselves, the business, and whether the firm they are reviewing invested in their startup in order to provide context. Landscape is free for founders to use, but offers a paid subscription for VCs, enabling them to unlock premium services, allowing them a right of reply. Obviously, some might consider that a form of blackmail, but given they can reply to reviews and see the reasons they might be losing marks, it might concentrate a few minds on how they can improve their offering to founders. This idea itself is not new. Started in 2007, Glassdoor set out to do this for any company. It was acquired by the Japanese firm Recruit Holdings for $1.2 billion in 2018. Better known as a platform for employees to air their grievances about larger corporates, you will of course sometimes see tech startups appear on the platform in a positive or negative light. In the VC space, Adeo Resi, founder of the Founder Institute, launched The Funded in 2007. The website is designed to allow entrepreneurs to write anonymous reviews about venture capital groups and their processes. It was largely met with derision from VCs, and Resi intended to keep the site anonymous, but was eventually outed. The funded never really took off, as the dated design and old updates attest, as the VC world is notoriously gossipy and it would not usually be that hard to figure out who was doing the dissing. That would also be a challenge naturally faced by Landscape. The funded started in a very large VC sector, the US. By contrast, Landscape is launching into the UK initially, which is many times smaller. Perkins told TechCrunch, it's been many years since the funded launched and, quote, the ecosystem has matured to a point where something like Landscape can exist. He also said Landscape will go global very soon. Quote, success for Landscape is creating a platform that not only allows founders to complete due diligence on investors before taking their capital, but also provides investors with the insights they need to iterate and improve on their own product, something more and more VCs are becoming open to. While a specific VC might be able to infer who they think has left a 
review, Landscape will never explicitly reveal this, end quote. Good luck to them, because the surest test as to whether a marketplace has a power imbalance is if the phrase, you'll never eat lunch in this town again, carries any actual weight. If you can be blackballed by the participants on the other side of the table from you, then you're in a lopsided market. Anyone trying to smooth out such power imbalances are truly doing the Lord's work. Many of you pointed out on Twitter last night that, helpfully, the iPhone pre-orders actually begin at 8 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning. So, never mind about that whole staying up late thing. In case you're curious, I'm going iPhone 12 Pro with Pacific Blue. If anything is going to be my error, it's probably that, right? Everyone's going to do Pacific Blue, it seems like. Don't you get that impression? Anyway, I'll report on how it went tomorrow. Talk to you then.